stuck working in your business? Do you feel like you can't get away because the business can't run without you? Do you find yourself the hero of your company? The one that always seems to be there to save the day? Well, if any of this sounds familiar, then my friend Keith Green's story is just for you. It's driving change from ATI. I'm Jeff Berman. This podcast was created to improve our members' experience and further assist with their growth. My hope is that you'll find the stories you hear from fellow shop owners relatable to where you are, where you were, or where you want to be, ultimately inspiring you to take that next necessary step. You'll be hearing how others fought the same fight and what they did to get through it and come out better on the other side. Tune in each week for another inspiring story to drive change in your shop. So I'm here today with Keith Green from Old Town Tire and Service in Temecula, California. So Keith got his start at 10 years old when he worked with his dad on Saturdays in their gas station. And he stayed doing that all the way up through college until he graduated college and his dad had replaced the gas station with a service department. And after college, Keith came on in 1991 as a service advisor. He spent the next five years as a service advisor for his dad and then left to pursue other interests. Uh, and he had a lot of interests. He, uh, he, was a, he was in software for a while even became a police officer and was involved in mortgage and finance towards the end. And in 2008, when the market took a crap uh, and he found himself unemployed, that's when his brother, who was working for his dad at the time, had recruited him to come back to the business in 2008 after a 15-year sabbatical from the family business. Once he rejoined the company, uh, they enjoyed a lot of success over the next four years and the business continued to grow. But in 2010, they hit a wall and they were struggling for the next four years. And in 2016, he found himself in an ATI workshop. And after joining ATI from that workshop, uh, the, last, the next year, he's been with ATI now a year, uh, he's finally starting to see himself come beyond that block and he's starting to enjoy the success that he knew he could. That's all correct. So Keith, if I didn't get any of that wrong, uh, thanks for being here today. I really do appreciate it. Um, you got an incredible story to share. And I know I say that a lot, but um, I can't wait for them to hear this because I know this is going to be a good one. Okay. So thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Um, Before I let you get started, though, I want to just give them a quick little snippet about what you're going to talk about. So Keith is going to tell us about the time that he realized that he can't do everything. And um, I know a lot of you listening are going, oh yeah, I can't wait to hear about this. And it's when he decided that he was going to give up that service counter and hire someone to take over that job. And he's going to talk to us about when he came to that realization and the struggles that came along with it. So with that said... Keith, it's all yours. You got the floor. Thank you. Well, the initial desire to hire a service rider was was twofold. One, we had a call, car volume that 
predicated that we needed two people there answering the phone. So I knew I needed someone. And I, I had given my sons a, a summer job from time to time so I could tell that just the advantages of having a body there was able to better handle the car count. But I did realize through things that some customers had said that my shop wasn't very inviting to our women customers. My dad would smoke cigars behind the, behind the counter. Just the aesthetic makeup of the shop wasn't inviting to our female customers at all. So I knew not only did I need a service writer, but I wanted a woman. I wanted that to soften the approach and make it more inviting to our, our women customers. So I put took, took out an ad. I believe that one was in Craigslist. Um, briefly described what a service writer did and I put on the ad women highly encouraged to apply and if I could have drawn a picture of the service writer that I wanted to walk in the door she walked in the door um, her name was Shannon and she was college educated she was smart she was polite she had one of those voices that was just very pleasant to listen to to top it all off she was pretty so I was thinking, oh, this is a home run. She, she yeah. brings all that feminine quality that I wanted to, and she was and she was pretty. So the, the men would come in and want to be there because Shannon was there. So it was all of those. We all know what you were thinking, Keith. Attributes. <laughs> so so it, and and uh, for the next year and a half or so, it was um, it was good. We we had. She had picked up the nuts and bolts of writing work orders, looking up parts, calling calling customers, making those contacts, um, and she could pick up the job. I, I always knew there was some things within her skill set that was lacking. She wasn't the greatest at overcoming objections. She was um, too easily pushed over by customers that would push back, want more, but I justified it and that having her was better than not having her. Um, then we got into ATI and met with our coach and started having the conference calls and he started going over the typical thing that the coach does and you got to do this and change that and apply this and my brother and I made the decision to apply most of the changes to the shop portion of things. Um, Things that the listeners are already aware of, you know, how to how to do better courtesy inspections and things like that. When we had finally got that not perfect but fixed enough that we felt we needed to start to focus on the front office, I went to Shannon and I said, "Hey, great news! You've been talking to me about wanting a raise. Well, I've got these new things that we're going to be doing up front." And I started to roll out all of the job requirements and responsibilities of a service writer and callbacks and formal training and um, podcasts and the uh, things on the portal where she was going to be learning new things. And I said, and you're going to be doing this and this and this and this and this, and we're going to change the way you do this and this. I said, and all of that comes with a pay raise. What do you think? <laughs> and she says, no, it's not for me. And I, what? I, I couldn't believe it because... She had been mentioning over and over again how she wanted more money, wanted a raise, and although I wanted her to earn a raise, I wasn't in a position, we hadn't grown enough to just give her a raise. And, and, and I thought, here's this roadmap. We're, 
we're going to give you new skills and, and new attributes that you're going to be able to take with you if you decide to leave us, but it's going to come with a raise. And she says, no, no, it's just not for me. And so I had to have a moment of that come to Jesus moment with her. And I said, Shannon, you've been with us for a year and a half now, and I really like you, but let me be real clear. That chair you're sitting in is going to have a service rider performing all of these duties. And if it's not you, it's going to be someone else. And she looked at me with the pleasant smile that she always had and says, well, then it's going to be with someone else. <laughs> so, I said, okay. So I, I guess what you're telling me, this is your two-week notice. And she says, yeah, I think it is. Wow. So it was... It, it was nice. It was nice that she felt comfortable enough with us at that point, to be honest. It was nice for her to realize that being a service rider wasn't what she wanted because all of these duties that were going to make her a better service rider and, and being held accountable and go over her sales numbers and you know the closing ratio of the estimate she wrote versus what we closed. She didn't want to be held accountable to all of that. She wanted to answer the phones and be pleasant and talk pleasantly to the customers that were there and collect their money. But in between all of that, she wanted to read her book right. and maybe do some shopping online. And if we had to give a customer a ride home, she wanted to do that, but she didn't want to be the sales professional that a service rider was. I gotta ask you something. You said in the very beginning that you knew you wanted a female. Mm -hmm. And I, I know you talked about how you wanted to be more female-friendly to your female customers. But what made you think that bringing in a female would help that? What, what were you thinking at the time? Why a female? For one, when my wife would come to the shop and to visit and have lunch, do whatever, there was always a number of things that she would say, you know, Keith, you need to change this. It's this looks terrible. Keith, you need to do this. This is a, a terrible environment for a, for a woman to walk into. And we were blinded by our familiarity with the shop that we had always known. I mean, we, we grew up in the, the gas station of the 1970s, and the dad, this is always the way dad did it. He used to have the pinup girls on the on on the toolboxes and stuff like that. It it wasn't offensive to us it was just the way things were and my, my wife was saying no it's it can't be that way anymore and so I knew that was the case but my wife was an infrequent visitor and I thought if I had a female that was there th that I would be getting the constant feedback of let's change this let's do that um, and Shannon filled some of those voids, but not all of them. But it, it was still a good thing. It was a learning experience of making sure that the way the guys talked changed because oh, yeah. there was always a woman there. Yeah. Um, so it, it made you more professional. Absolutely. It, it, it took away this grease mechanic, grease monkey type stigma. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, she didn't want to work in a dirty environment, so the office miraculously started becoming cleaner, the right. bathroom stayed cleaner, the, the pictures on the walls changed, the color in the office changed, that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Right? And, and I, I totally, totally get that. Um, but I want to ask you a little different question because I, I've always said to my clients that if all things are equal, you're hiring a, a sales professional, and all things are equal. The only difference is the gender, one's male, one's female, always go for the woman. That, that's just the way I've always been. And the reason that I say that 
is because of all those reasons, plus women are more detail-oriented, typically. They're more organized, typically. They have an, they have an eye for detail, and they tend to relate better to both men and women. So for all those reasons, plus what we talked about earlier, I've always said, go for the woman. So now that all said, here's the second question. You went through this with a woman. You had a good experience and some challenges, clearly, because she didn't want to step up her game. Did this sour your opinion of having a female service writer or did you say, no, I just had the wrong one? What happened after it, that? It, it absolutely didn't sour my opinion of the female service writer, but I, I realized I needed someone that could wear both hats effectively. Someone that was a, could be a sales professional, that could be a good closer, that could be all of those things, but could be a lot more assertive than Shannon was. Shannon was the female presence, but a passive female presence. And in, in talking with my coach, my, my coach was telling me, you need to hire a good sales professional. And he kept saying this, and, and I, part of me felt offended, part of me felt threatened, but he kept saying this in our weekly conference call, you need to hire someone better than yourself. And part of me would rise up and say, hey, I've been doing this so long, there isn't anyone better than me. But the other part of me knew that from my years selling software and my years selling mortgage loans and being in a competitive sales environment selling mortgage loans, I was good. I wasn't very good and I certainly wasn't great. I was good. And so the logical continuation was if, if I was good at software sales but not very good or great and if I was good at mortgages but not very good or great, I'm probably only good as a service writer. And you, I, I got lured into this false sense of how good I was because when I visit other shops, oh, I'm better than him, I'm better than him, but I didn't have a great reference of what very good was or what great was. And it was a little intimidating to think of, I, I'm going to bring someone on that's a better salesperson than I am. And that was a tough, tough one to grasp, a tough one to get my arms around. I wanted to hire someone better than me. It's a pride-swallowing moment. A what? A pride-swallowing moment. Oh, it definitely was. Yeah. yeah. Because I was in an environment where my brother, who was always a, an absolute fantastic, one of the best ever techs, the thought of hiring a tech better than him was, was a tough nut. And we tried finding ones as good as him. And, for this, we always had trouble finding one that was better than him. Now, the thought of, oh my God, if we can't find a tech better than my brother, but we can easily go out and find a service writer better than me, what, what does that say about me? Yeah. It, was, it was tough. That's tough. So, But I knew where I wanted our shop to get to. I knew where I wanted our sales numbers to get to. And I knew I just wanted to be better. And as embarrassing as it is to, to bring someone on that's better than you, I knew in my head, even though, though it hurt in my heart, I knew in my head it would make me better if I hired someone better than me. Because it was, it, it feels good to hire someone not better than you and you can jump into that sales call and save the sales call. You can jump into the difficult customer and, and save that difficult customer. You can find the, 
the time where Shannon was struggling with this, that, and the other team, and I can come in and fix that, it, it felt good. But it also told me and everyone else, we were only going to be as good as I was, and I was only good. You know what else it does? It keeps you from going on vacations. Hmm. It keeps you from having the life that you really wanted when you bought a business or became a business owner. Very much so. And I think a lot of people get wrapped up into that, that circle there where they feel exactly the way you felt but never actually come to the place that you came to to realize that it's of their own doing. And yeah. boy, is that powerful. It's say. absolutely true. My brother and I would, from time to time, do a charity, charity golf tournament because we thought it was good for exposure and everything else, plus giving back to the community. And we'd take a day off. And the next day, like, holy crap, what just happened? You know, jobs weren't done or weren't done properly, and sales jobs weren't done, and there was customer complaint here and there. We got the feeling we couldn't leave. What did you learn from that experience? I can't go away because if I do, nothing goes right, right? That, that was, yeah, that was it. And at some point you said there's got to be a better way. I don't know where that was, but at some point you had to it, say that. It, it, the constant hounding from my coach to do things differently and, and kept saying, hire someone better than you, hire someone better than you. Um, I knew that I needed to do that. I didn't know what it looked like, but I knew it needed to happen. And I, having visited some other shops, I, I think I knew what a... a a service writer who could sell better than me looked like, but I still had an idea of what I wanted the person to act like representing my shop. And in, in, although there might be that sales associate that could just hit it out of the park if he wasn't, if he was just so sales driven that he wasn't customer service driven, that wasn't the message I wanted my customers to leave with. I, I knew I wanted them to leave in a way where they parted with their money and felt good with what they parted with, not felt like, gosh, that Keith shop took me for everything I had. So I knew I what I didn't want, but I wasn't sure what what I wanted looked like. But I knew I needed someone, so I um, took out an ad and and recruited for a new service writer. And um, again, looking for a woman. Again, looking for a woman. Um, and even though I had an ad out and I was taking resumes, I started thinking of people I come into contact with on a daily basis. You know, uh, calling three or four different parts stores in my daily operation of work, which parts counter gals were friendly, engaging, and knowing that they were parts counter people, they might have a little bit of knowledge of cars and everything. Um, but I never really felt anyone that I connected with. And then I had to order a radiator. And there was a radiator shop in town. And that's all they did was they sold radiators. And I called this radiator shop to order a radiator. And Monica answered the phone. And it, it was it was funny because her whole job was, you know, thank you for calling radiator. This is Monica. How can I help you? And my only interaction with her was, do you have a radiator for a 2009 Buick Century? And she would say, Yes, I do. It's 110 bucks, And that was it. She, there was no sales involved. It was she's working with um, wholesale shops like mine. You know, do, I, do you have the radiator in stock? Yes, I do. It's this much. Or no, I don't. Uh, but I can have it tomorrow and it'll be this much. That, that was it. But in the process of executing her job, she, over the phone, you could feel 
that she was there and she was alive and she was engaged and she was putting everything she had into a job that was boring. I thought, if this gal can be that engaged in a job that's so boring, what would she be like in an environment where we could actually make her shine? And a couple of times she actually had to deliver the radiator to our shop and I had brief conversations with her and I, this, this gal is great. So she had no experience as a service rider, very, really no car knowledge. She could only look up a radiator because it was on her computer screen. And I said, how would you like to do this? And I showed her a roadmap of what a service rider does. All the stuff that Shannon wouldn't do. Yeah. Right? All this, yeah. yeah. Customer follow-up. Um, writing the work orders was the easy part, but customer follow-up. Attending sales training classes and um, going over on a weekly basis her um, the estimates she wrote up and what she closed and understand and being graded on the the difference between the estimates she wrote up and what she closed and working with sales techniques and sales tactics to close that gap and showing her what the earning potential was and how much of the earning potential was in her lap because it was all about her own performance and she thought for the first time in her life this is a life changing opportunity for me and she says hell yeah I want this so we'll go over the details if you want but I'll just give it to you straight she's an absolute superstar N nothing short of it she is a superstar with no service writer experience and George Zeeks has called my shop to talk to me about something and my coach has called my shop and talked to me about something and both of them have individually said she is in the top one percent of service writers of any service writer that they've ever encountered wow. and it all comes naturally and now as we starting to train her on what a service writer does and developing real skills oh my god she she's a huge win and how long has she been with you now she's been with us Shy of a year. Okay. Yeah. Um, September, October of last year. So eight to ten months. And you're you're here now. You've been here. What's your second day now for class? Right. And she's running the show while you're here, right? Yep. Any worries? None. Interesting. Absolutely none. Did Did it ever? I mean, have you ever thought to yourself, how can I bring someone with no experience? You know. I need a, a, a well-groomed, well-seasoned service writer. How can I bring someone in who not only has never written service, but doesn't even know about cars? Did that ever occur to you, and how did you feel about that? It, it did. I mean, this goes back to more of the fear that I was harboring. Um, I, I feared whether or not I could afford to bring in a, sales, a true sales advisor, like recruit someone away from the dealership. I was afraid whether I could afford it. I didn't understand the schematics and how, you know, when they perform, they more than pay for themselves. So I, I was, to a degree, looking for an alternative, and I somewhat stumbled upon a home run. Yeah, yeah. And, and you didn't stumble though. You didn't stumble. No. Because you said something that I picked up on immediately, and I hope the listeners did too. But what you said was. I heard something in her when I called the radiator shop. You know, she was just doing a boring, mundane job. But you, your antenna was up. You were listening. You were paying attention. That wasn't by accident. 
she wouldn't have come to you and said, hey, you're looking for uh, a service writer. I'd like to do that job. You went after her. Right. You follow me? Right. And there's many times, I'm sure, in your life that that got past you. This one didn't. Right. And how many people out there, it does get past them every single day. Yeah. You know, that, there's a lesson in that in and of itself, that if we're just paying attention, the people we want are right in front of us. Yeah. And, Absolutely. And I replay back messages that I've heard, you know, seemingly over for years, over years, but I'd always ignored them, that successful shops say that they, they hire attitude and they train skills, or they hire attitude and train knowledge. And I never thought of that, but in retrospect, that's what I did. That's exactly what you did. And it's, it's incredible. It's very, very admirable. Right. That is a tough thing for a lot of people to do, to say, I'm going to bring someone with no experience and teach them. But the truth is, the one thing we know is cars. Right. That's the one thing they don't need to know. And how hard is it to teach them how to use a computer program and write an estimate right. if they know how to use computers? And how many people today below the age of 40 don't know how to use a computer? Right. So, you know, if they've got people skills and some basic sales skills, you can turn them into a rock star. And I am not surprised at all right. that she is. Right. That's incredible. I, I've heard participants in the, the classes that I've been sitting in today, yesterday, and two weeks ago, where shop owners were pushing back against some of the material being taught by the instructor and the laws. Uh, you know, I live in an area with a lot of retired people. I live in a depressed area where people don't have that money. And I live, all of that. And, and I realized that I had a lot of those same biases and how often I let those biases affect the way I sold to them. And that was one of my epiphany moments of why I need someone other than me and better than me. Because I still remember customer, you know, Joe Smith. I still remember five years ago when he was out of a job and he was out of a job for a year and he took a crummy job and he was three months behind on his car payment and a couple months behind on uh, his house payment and he didn't have money to do this and that. I realized I was still slow at going after recommended service to him because I remembered all of those stories through good-natured human empathy. I, I, I shared those stories with him, but that bias was staying with me. And I told Monica straight up, I'm hiring you because you don't have those biases. Your job isn't to sell them anything they don't need. Your job is to sell them what their car needs, regardless of their situation. It's not your job to decide for them they can afford it or not afford it. And certainly, his hardship that he went through four years ago has no impact on today. Mm-hmm. But it was holding me back yep. because I knew all those stories. Yep. So that was all part of hiring someone better than me. She clearly is. Absolutely. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So we've got Monica in. Yes. And you've been training her, and she's kicking butt. Yes. And everybody loves her, and the Superstar. shop loves her, and all that. So where do you go from here? Um, you said earlier that you, I think from the very beginning, you said you need two, right? Well, yeah, my, my coach was telling me, you need two, Keith. You need two service riders. You need 
someone alongside of you and you need someone to replace you. Well, I, I got lured into this sense of, okay, we've got it all figured out now. Monica is the kick butt service writer and I'm the guy that picks up the rollover calls and this and that and the other thing. And honestly, it, this is legitimately and fairly, I am a good balance to Monica. I, she is hardcore driven sales numbers, eagle achiever, that person. And I am a peacock. I am the one that can remember the conversation with them from two years ago when they were in Cancun and retell those stories. I'm everyone's friend and they want to talk to me. We were a good mix on the front counter, but what was happening is I wasn't doing my ATI stuff. I didn't have time. Really, I was didn't have time because I was filling up the time. Well, let's be stuff. clear. When you say ATI stuff, what you really mean is CEO stuff. Yes, yes. Which is the stuff we want you to the do. The stuff I'm supposed <laughs> okay. to, Yeah. I wasn't managing, measuring and managing Monica's closing ratio yeah. because I was doing my own service writing. Right. I wasn't implementing policy manuals. I wasn't writing um, procedures on how to do a break job. I wasn't doing all of the stuff that I need to do. I wasn't staying on top of my P&L because I was filling up that time doing service writing. And my coach was in my ear saying, Keith, you found one service writer that's better than you. It's going to be pretty doggone easy to find a second one that's better than you. And if it was hard enough to find one service writer that was better than me, Think of how demoralizing it was when I realized I needed a second one. <laughs> and as soon as I hired someone, I was going to be the third best service writer in my shop. And it was hard the first time. It was in some ways harder the second time. So, But nonetheless, it needed to happen. So we started that process. Um, this time, I had been through enough of the ATI program to realize that I had to that I should be doing the recruitment process a certain way. I should write an ad with specific um, features on the ad to recruit the right kind of person, write details of the job description in a way that clearly outlined the expectations to um, go through the resumes and determine who was a good fit perhaps and who was not a good fit at all and start to file the resumes one versus in one stack versus another to do a brief phone interview do a wonder look test do all those sorts of things and and my second time around that's what I did I did it all the 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 ATI way and I narrowed it down to two people and I wanted candidate A and it was my dad and my brother wanted candidate B. And to be fair to them, um, candidate B did hit a home run in the second interview. We, we, we did the formal interview and all this other thing. And I said, let's come in for a second interview where you're gonna, we're going to talk on our shop front porch with me and my dad and my brother and Monica to find out how we all work together. And I was pretty sure I was going to go with candidate A, but in that second interview on the front on the porch, candidate B hit a home run, and she shared some stories about her personal life. Um, she'd been married and been uh, taken care of by a husband that had made it good money, and she was a great wife and a great homemaker and a gr great with the kids and never had to work. And she went through divorce, and she. Part of her hitting a home run in her final in, in the final interview was, 
I have no choice but to succeed. And, and that put her over the edge in my brother and my dad's mind in that she's got that built-in motivation. She's going, to, she's going to succeed. I still thought the other one was a better candidate, but I, I bought in on that. I said, okay. So we brought her in, and we gave her six weeks of hardcore one-on-one training, actually two-on-one training, because I was imparting my knowledge to her while also showing her some of Monica's better sales skills. It was a good combination. And in six weeks, she she just didn't pick it up at the pace she needed to pick it up and showed us enough to say she's not a good fit. It was, it was close, but it wasn't a good fit. So um, I actually knew this before six weeks, but six weeks was the point where I made the decision. So about four weeks into it, I started recruiting her replacement and at the six-week mark, I dismissed this person, and I had my bench ready and brought in my second service rider. Her name's Amanda, and right now, Amanda's been with me for two days. My shop is being run by Monica, who had no automotive experience except for the last six to eight months, and Amanda that's been with me for two days, and my shop is running without a, without a hitch. So, you've been here for two days. Uh-huh. So, your paths barely crossed before you even came here. I worked with her for about an hour and a half before I headed to the airport to come to Baltimore. Wow. So, I guess you're entrusting Monica with a lot of responsibility. Here. Yeah. Yes, a lot. But it goes to also to show what kind of a home run she is. She's uh, absolutely absolute home run. But I think Amanda is going to be the yin to her yang. I think Amanda is going to be... An absolute home run. You know what I'm thinking if I'm listening to this right now? What? Keith, we got to have you back on in six months and see if this person's still working out and how it's going. Yeah. It's quite, <laughs> quite possible. What I, what I really think is going to happen, my brother and I have this dream of opening up a second, third, fourth, fifth shop, and we're close to opening up the second shop. I really think what's going to happen is we're, we're going to split them up. Yeah. And, and I'm going to... Well, it's two days, but I hear what you're saying. That's yeah. really exciting that yeah. you're that, that jazzed about it. Yeah. And if you have a good interview and you believe from the beginning, I mean, think about what happened with Monica. You know, we didn't touch on this, but, you know, your initial experience with Shannon, sorry, I'm getting these names right, yep. Shannon from the beginning, I'm sure your initial discussion and interview with Monica was not the same as it was with Shannon. Am I wrong? No, absolutely. You're, you're 100% right. And I'd be willing to bet that because of the experience you had with Shannon and your desire to find better because you know what was lacking with her and you knew what you needed coming in that you had a better interview and listening to what you told me about how excited Monica was to join your company and the opportunity that she saw that you were giving her uh, was just you couldn't help but have a home run if you knew all the things that were in place were there and she could do it she's obviously smart enough she obviously has the desire. Mm-hmm. The only thing now is whether she's physically capable. Well, that that's obvious too. So as long as our training is nurturing, it's consistent, it's ongoing, and it's never ending, mm-hmm. which I would imagine is true. Yes, absolutely. Then she can't help but succeed. And now here we are, roughly eight months later, and it's so good that you're willing to leave a brand new employee in her in her care to provide the exact same thing 
that you provided her. And there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that she will because she's that committed. Right. Is that pretty accurate, what I just yeah, said? Yeah, it, it was very accurate. Yeah, and that's incredible. And to think about where you were a year or so ago, a little over a year ago, saying, oh my God, I gotta find someone better than me, and then coming to the conclusion that, well, duh, because I'm only good, right. and all of that that happened. And, you know, there must have been a tremendous amount of fear at that point. You had to be, you know, optimistic but scared, yes? In the very beginning? Scared, yeah. Could I afford... Hopeful? Yeah, I, I was all those things. I was yeah. I was scared because could, could I afford to... Could I afford someone like that? I was embarrassed because... You can't afford someone like that because yeah. you didn't bring in that yeah. that highfalutin, you know, banging service writer from, a, from another shop that's going to bring all their bad habits to you. Right. You brought in someone who sees an opportunity to grow and start from the bottom working their way up. Of course you can afford that. Right. That's another benefit we didn't touch on, but go ahead. Right. And that... And yeah, I hadn't even thought about that point for the purpose of this conversation, but I've had that thought a lot. It kind of feeds back into my my personality, where it felt good to jump in and save the day with the bad service rider. I still have that, my wife calls it hero syndrome. You, you love to jump in and be the hero. Well, you know what? It feels really, really good to take someone like Monda, Monica and now someone like Amanda that... I'll go ahead and say it. Their, their careers were going nowhere. And I'm a part of giving them a life change. And something that is truly going to change their life in a way that where they the path they were on, it wasn't they weren't there on that path, and now they are. So after all that being said, you know, the fear, the uncertainty, the hopefulness, the the, the awkwardness, the, the can I pay them, all that stuff. Here we are now a year later. How do you feel now? Uh, pretty fantastic. My my brother and I went to a super conference in March when there was only Monica. Monica took care of it. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to super conference next March. I'm going to have Monica and someone. Hopefully it's Amanda. I think it's going to work out. At that point, she'd only been there probably, what, four months? Yes, yeah. about that. Wow. And you were gone a week or more, right? Uh, right about a week. Wow. Yeah. The, the talent is out there. I just needed to be smart enough to know where to look for it. And I was, I was looking for it only in the, in the caverns of, hey, I need an existing service writer that you're not happy where you're at. Come, come join me. But you talked about it a moment ago. I was going to get some disgruntled service writer that probably wasn't great because great service writers are being taken care of with where they're at. They would have left. Right. Mediocre service writers are always blaming someone else. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it's just uh, it felt pretty good to be able to find someone by looking in a different direction, paying attention to personality attributes, hiring, hiring attitude and training knowledge and skill. You know, Keith, what impresses me the most about you mm. is that most people, if faced with the decision to do what you did, bring someone in who's got no experience and teach them, which, by the way, a lot of shop owners really just don't know how to do training properly. Clearly you do. 
Um, that's another podcast. But the fact that you were able to mentally not go down the what-if road. Well, what if this happens? And what if that happens? And all the what-ifs are always negative. Well, that I can't because in all the what-ifs. You went down the what-if positive road. Well, what if this really works out? What if she really loves it? What if we can find another? What? It, it was... Most minds don't do that. It, it's that, that defense mechanism we all have to protect us and gives us all the Grim Reaper stuff and freezes us and we do nothing. And I'm sure you had some of those thoughts, but you were strong enough to ignore them and look past them and see the positive and not the negative. And that, that is really the reason you did this because this was way outside of your box. Right. Way outside of your box. Right. I mean... You told me what this job was like when Dad was around and what you remembered. Right. And, you know, I'm sure your wife's influence didn't hurt. But that all said, it was still way outside of your box. Very impressive. Thank you. And look where you are today. One one more step in the direction we want to go. That's... Would you rather be the hero or would you rather be able to take a week off and not worry about it? Which one feels better? <laughs> exactly. And, <laughs> and, and, and the one leaves me the, uh, the money to be able to take a vacation yeah. while the other one doesn't. That's incredible. What a great story, Keith. I, I, I really hope that uh, people listening really paid attention to what you said because this was an incredible story. And I really appreciate you coming and sharing with everybody. Thank you. Thanks for being here. You bet. Okay, everyone. Sharpen your pencils. It's time for reflection. What a great interview I had with Keith. There's a lot of nuggets in this one. I'll try to keep my comments brief. Keith realized three things. First, with the help of his coach, he finally saw his business had grown to a level where he needed more help at the counter. Second, because of his wife's influence, he had come to the conclusion that his shop needed to be more female friendly. And third, He needed someone who was better than he was. So when he started to look, he encouraged women to apply. Simply put, Keith knew exactly what he wanted and he asked for it. What did he find? At first he found Shannon. She was a smart, college-educated, polite, pretty woman with a pleasant, soothing voice. Everything he could have expected in a service writer. He felt like he hit the lottery. And for about a year, things were going great. Because she was smart, capable. She was able to learn the tasks and carry them out reasonably well. In other words, she had the head and the hands. But did she have the heart? When Keith approached her, he showed her her path to a raise, a chance to make more money and a win for her as well as the shop. She turned down the position. She didn't have the desire to do all of what that position should be able to do. He made it clear this was not negotiable when he said, the person sitting in this chair will do these things. The question is, who will that be? You or someone else? This left Shannon a chance to make a decision, and she chose to turn it down.
What did Keith learn from this experience? The person he hires must not only be smart and capable, but must also have the desire to learn and grow. Head, heart, and hands. All three of these are crucial to the long-term success of any, any employee. Because he now had an even better idea of what he wanted, and his antenna was way up, he was able to find Monica. On his recruiting mission, he was paying close attention to all of the interactions he had with people. The important message here was he wasn't looking for a service writer as much as he was looking for the right person to train to be the best salesperson and service advisor possible. Keith said it best when he said, higher attitude, train skills. The knowledge of cars just doesn't matter. We can teach that. Because of what he'd learned over his hiring successes and mistakes in recent years, he was much more prepared to find service writer number two. Better ads, clearly defining what he was looking for. Phone interviews, several interviews live, including many other key players in the process, personality tests, etc. What this allowed him to do was hire who he wanted, not the best of the two that applied. Now because his training program was so good, in six weeks he discovered his hiring mistake and was able to quickly recover. He was prepared. He had a backup plan. Never did he feel trapped or stuck. I wonder how many business owners would have kept this employee far longer than they should have if for no other reason they had no other options. What impact do you think that would have on the business? Lastly, I want to point out something that Keith had said towards the end of our interview when he talked about hero syndrome. You know, I wonder how many people really do have hero syndrome. Do you feel like your job is to always come in and save the day? And if so, is that by mistake or is it by our own design? You have been listening to Driving Change from ATI. If you liked what you've heard today and feel you have something compelling to share with your fellow shop owners, we're waiting to hear from you. You can contact me, Jeff Berman, by emailing podcast at autotraining.net. Let me know what it is you can't wait to share and how I can reach you. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you're notified when the next podcast is available. If you're unfamiliar with ATI and you want to learn more, you can check us out online at autotraining.net. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.